Hey there, I'm Ashley, and this is New Day with Ashley. If you're looking for inspiration to make a difference and create lasting impact, then you're in the right place. Get ready to be encouraged by the stories of my guests who have taken risks, overcome challenges, and created opportunities. It's time to make the most of your new day. My guest today is on a mission to create and destroy. Create experiences and destroy expectations, that is. Mark Bjornstedt, co-founder and president of Drecker Brewing Company, is focused on pushing the boundaries of experimentation, all while having fun, creating good times, and most importantly, creating community. Mark and his team of misfits are on a voyage of tasty beer, amazing experiences, and keeping it weird. All right, well, welcome to New Day with Ashley Mark. Yep, thanks for having <laughs> me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for you to be here, too. Um, yeah, anyway... Um, so congratulations. Is it nine years? Uh, yeah, we had our eighth anniversary this last fall. Okay. So eight and a half. Our, in our ninth year. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a and, time warp. Yeah. And big things happening. Yeah. Yeah, we've always got a project <laughs> in, on the hopper. And um, yeah, we've got um, our Brujala, um expansion project opening here in, Any in day. probably a week or two. Okay. Awesome. I know the community is anxiously awaiting this. And we will get there. We will talk about that. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about, I don't know, how you got here. Sure. And, and we can kind of breeze through that. I know that's not what Drecker is. Um, but from Moorhead. Yep. Uh, and like myself, uh, went to Concordia. And then you just got into brewing. No. <laughs> that's <laughs> just how it went, forward. huh? Is that is that how it went? No. <laughs> There's a couple of little jumps in the middle, yeah. but yeah, that's where we're at now. No, I'm I'm from Fargo Moorhead. Um, I grew up in Fargo, um, did like the grades in Fargo, and then moved to Moorhead. And um, so I kind of have been both sides of the river. Went to college in town, um, and then left for quite a while. And um, you know, home home does funny things to you. Yeah, most of which make you think about coming back when you said you never would. Um, so yeah, a, a few years Getting before. Getting out of here, yeah. yeah. A few. I moved back in 2010, and a few years before that, um, me, and, uh, me and my best friend, who is one of the people I started the brewery with, um, we're starting to talk about, you know, I'd say we were complaining about Fargo, <laughs> um, talking about how we, you know, we're getting pulled back there, but we don't want to, and this, that, or the other thing isn't happening in town. We'd rather be in Minneapolis or Denver, you know, some other spot. And then we got to the point where, um, you know, I think there's some other inspiring people um, that had an impact on us, some things that we thought were impressive, and then a need that we, we knew was there, and we just kind of caught ourselves up in the trap of, um, you know, Focusing on what what Fargo wasn't, um, and then realizing that other people were adding to the community, and that sure. that's something we could do too. Okay. And then let that draw from home, pull us back. And the the reason we did it was the reason I we moved back and started doing that was that we committed ourselves to doing this a project. Okay. Together. Yep. Okay. So then, does that bring us to like 2014? And you guys decide, hey we're actually going to do this thing? Uh, I mean... <laughs> or you'd been doing it. We'd been doing it. We, um, you know, we we had, you know, if Darren and I say we're going to do something, that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter how long it takes us. And we had kind of committed to 
um, that we were going to start a brewery. Um, we went on, we went and apprenticed at a brewery in Colorado. Um, we had a lot of the background training already. My undergrad and grad work, um, I spent a lot of time doing the science behind brewing. Um, I'd say I didn't homebrew, I lab brewed. Okay. Um, and, and did it all, used all my open lab hours for working on <laughs> brewing science and yeast fermentation studies and those hmm. things. And we fell in love with the science of brewing and what, what beer could be. Uh, we always loved the boundaries and stepping on the other side of them. Sure. But then what ultimately made us, where we knew we had to do this was what we saw happening in breweries. Um, mostly, this is all before kind of the taproom trend. Um, some of the bigger brewing areas like Colorado, Oregon, um, even on the East Coast, their tasting rooms Sure. We're starting to function a lot like what tap rooms are now, but um, we loved how you could have six people in that tasting room, and two of them are regulars, two of them are beer nerds, and two of them are just travelers. And we started to see what those three groups of people were actually doing there. You know, the the locals just liked a cool place to hang out, and they became a regular there. The beer nerds were all in it for the science and trying something new, and they you know they don't want they don't want one craft brew. They want all of the craft sure. brews. They want to try it all and hear all the stories. And then the, the traveler component was really neat because um, they wanted to try and sample what was like most organically that local community. Sure. Not just a product that was made there, but a experience and a conversation with people that are there. Mm. And we would go to these tasting rooms. Like I said, there'd be like six people there. And by the end of the night, everyone was talking about something else in their life. And it wasn't about beer anymore. We thought that was the coolest thing that, that that brewery could catalyze that moment. And people were talking and they were, were having a conversation and you walked away from there and think, that was one of the best, coolest nights ever. Yeah. And it was just a tiny little tasting room. So that's where the conversations came about like, well, what could we do with this? And yeah. let's let's blow this up and see see where it takes us. And we were we knew there was a need for that in Fargo. Um, you know, there's um, there's always been a loss of those community spaces, especially mm-hmm. I think coffee shops served as like the last community space and then Wi-Fi kind of killed that. You know, all sure. of a sudden people had headphones and laptops yeah. and then they weren't talking anymore. And we saw, and nationally, the trend became that brewery tap rooms became that that third place for people and, and made that community living room. Yeah. So that's what that's what uh, drew us to doing it. Sure. Um, and like we said, then it's been a time warp. Yeah, ever since, yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I like how you found those groups of people and, like, really creating community because that's what you guys do really well, I feel like. Um, you know, was this somewhat of a risk then for all four of you? Oh, yeah. Four of you, right? Yep. Or was it um, less of a risk because there are four of you? Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know. Uh, if you go down with a business, it, it goes down hard. It's, it's a flaming crash. So all that means four families, uh, are, are going down on this one. Um, so I don't know. I don't know risk, if it's more yeah. or less. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's right up there. Um, but, and then, uh, you know, the risk is, it's real. Um, I think that we, we did some good things and we did some really dumb things um, that made it riskier for mm-hmm. us where we were severely undercapitalized. 
which we intentionally did. Okay. Um, we didn't want any investors. We didn't want any outside control. Um, that's something that we're still really proud of it, that yeah. everyone that's involved with Drecker is actually involved with Drecker. And that was important to us because we, we knew that there could be no influence um, on mm. us that was solely a financial interest. Uh, it had to be, everything had to be totally organic to who we are and what we were doing. Yeah. And um, that was good because we always knew who we were and we knew what we were supposed to do. Uh, but it was incredibly hard because um, <laughs> like if we one of the things we knew money, about it, yeah. yeah, one of the things we knew about ourselves is we didn't have a lot of money. Sure. Um, that's actually one of the like biggest digs I think we get from a lot of other, mm. whether they're competitors or computing people, is that they think Drecker is um, backed by a ton of cash mm. and that we always had a marketing firm behind us and, um, you know, you know, we had contractors <laughs> that you know, we just rolled out cash for, and that's absolutely not the case. Yeah, so we'll set the record straight. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, no. um, the four of us, bootstrapped. Yeah, everything that could have been done in, I mean, all, all, both breweries that we've done in Bruhalla, if we don't need a license to do it, we are doing it. Um, you know, we have to let electricians do their thing sure. and plumbers do their stuff, but we'll um, figure it out. Yeah, you know, everything else we we've done ourselves, and it's something we're really proud of. It's something that was backbreaking but that's how we kind of controlled some of that risk but we always kind of joke too that we're we've stopped counting how many times we've pushed all the chips back in and every time we do it we get a little less scared of yeah of how that is it but that's that's become kind of one of our core um core you know decision making points inside the company is that um is this something that we're going to push our chips all back in on sure and it actually scares us if it's something that we're not willing mm. um, or we don't think that this is something we can fully commit to because then it's something we shouldn't do. It's obviously we're wavering on mm. on something there. And, that doesn't deserve the time to be, yeah. Yep. If it doesn't mm. deserve all of our risk, then it doesn't deserve any of our time. Okay. That's really good, yeah. To get to that point, though, mm-hmm. too, of like, yeah, we're all in or we're not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the name Drecker? Yeah. So we... Um, it's partly a made-up word, partly a slang word. Um, we wanted something that uh, would be totally us. Um, and not, I think I saw like you're a group of misfits or something. Is that what you guys kind of coined yourself yeah, as? Yeah, we or? always talk about ourselves as misfits, weirdos, you know, <laughs> um, the strange ones. And Drecker is really kind of a mashed-up word of like Old Norse, where it it, it shares the. Um, Shares the meaning for like a Viking dragon ship, okay. which uh, we knew we wanted to brand ourselves around that Norse culture, but we wanted to have a lot of fun with it too and uh, not be so historical, but be a lot more whimsical and dark and goofy with it. Yeah. Um, and you can see that in a lot of our artwork and branding. For um, sure. But then, so that was our connection to, you know, like the Yumcom ship and the local community and our, our heritage here. But... The current use of the word Drecker is kind of in Icelandic slang, which is the closest language to Old Norse still sure. around. And it means it, it's the verb to to drink and kind of share that moment of mm. drinking and camaraderie with your friends or around a table. And that's everything that Drecker is about. We always kind of say our, our mission statement is that, you know, beer is our craft, but Drecker is about much more than just the contents of a glass. It's about ha- what happens when a few of those glasses get raised together. Very cool. And... On the outside, we literally don't care if anyone else can figure that out from Drecker. We're 
we'll tell the story whenever we want to, but for us to remind us of what we're doing, um, that means a lot to us to see that on the building every day when we walk in and remind sure. us, this is why we're here. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Full steam ahead. This is who we are. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. And walk us back to the first day, like of opening your first tap room. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, like I'll, I'll give you some context on that. Yeah. You know, we, um, when we opened that brewery downtown, um, we had to fight for everything. Um, the city did not want a brewery downtown. Um, you know, we're really good friends with the the crew over at Fargo Brewing Company, and they they did a great job with their pro- their project. I think that the city's lucky that it was them because it seemed like the city was just excited that a brewery was opening. So mm-hmm. then they didn't really do much with that. It went through the normal code stuff, but then as soon as we put ours in, about a year later, uh, it put up all the roadblocks about. If this is going to be a thing, we're going to have to reevaluate some code stuff on this and some, you know, some use permits and variances. And they tried to hold us up on every end. And uh, so we we talked our way out of stuff. We would weasel ourselves into conversations and meetings and do anything possible to survive. So we got to that opening day, um, you know, having hmm. pulled our hair out, right. fighting for our lives for you know over a year. And I I still remember. Um, you know, we were, if we didn't open, we were basically out of money. And so it was, I think me and Darren had, had been up for days on end. Um, you know, I'd been working at the hospital. I was doing call shifts, coming back to the brewery. And I I think we'd essentially been up for about five days, finishing the brewery, sleeping for, maybe an hour a day or doing that. and Because you're all working like day jobs while yep. doing this. And yeah. I remember uh, Mason actually lived in the apartment building above the brewery. And it was like two hours before the soft opening. We actually got our CO. And a couple of us went up there and just tried to lay down and sleep for an hour because we were delirious. Sure. And um, I remember <laughs> trying to do that and it really didn't work. And we came downstairs and Darren and I were sitting on the steps of the of the brew house and... I remember asking him, I remember saying, like, I'm, I don't know if I'm tired or exhausted or scared, but I'm either going to puke or cry right now. And, uh, and I don't know why. Yeah. And, uh, he said, yeah, you know, I, what are you scared of? And I was like, I you know, I, Darren, Darren said something about how he, he was worried that no one was going to show up. And I kind of thought about that for a little bit. I thought, you know, thought about all the stuff we'd, we'd done to get there, what we knew we were going to do. And I was like, you know, I don't care. I don't care if anyone doesn't show up. I, we did it. Mm-hmm. We did it exactly the way we said we were going to do it. We fought hard. We're here. The rest Who doesn't cares? matter. Yeah. Who cares? And that was kind of a, a liberating moment for us where we've looked back at that, or I've looked back at that moment several times and kind of tried to channel that same thought about like, all right, am I holding my, my myself back based on some fears that other people mm-hmm. that I'm going to allow other people to project onto me or, you know, do I really care about that stuff? Or if we put it all in and it doesn't land, who cares if this is what we're, if, if this is who we are <laughs> and this is what we're supposed to do, I don't care how it goes down. Right. And that, and that's, that's like my clearest mo- memory of opening the brewery opening. downtown. Wow. So some people showed up. That, that and then <laughs> and then when people did show up, we had a line outside the door. My dad was just desperate for a job. Okay. He just I think it was um, 
it was the most proud I've ever seen my dad of me. Yeah. And it made me question, like, you know, I did a lot of other stuff that I thought you would have been proud <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. Not that what he was other things. Like, yeah. This you seem really proud of this. And you know, I, I think, you know, fatherly, your son opening a brewery, that that probably hit the marks. Yeah, for, for right. My yeah. Dad. So my dad wanted a job and we're like, we can't let him bartend. He's just gonna talk to people the whole time. <laughs> And You'll have lots and, of regulars. Yeah, I mean, my, no. my dad's great, but like, let's just say not on brand. <laughs> and and uh, sorry, dad. So we gave him the door job. We're like, that's a great dad job. He can check people's IDs. And we opened, and like one person every other minute is coming in the door. And we're like, what in the heck is happening? It's like taking forever. And I thought, you know, well, that's my dad. He's kind of a stickler on stuff. Maybe he's just like really checking IDs. And then finally I got to the couple people in there. I was like, I'm sorry about the wait outside. You know, that's my dad out there checking. Like, oh no, he was great. Yeah. He told us that you're your son. And he was just looking at everyone's IDs and seeing if he knows anybody from their hometowns. Oh, like, well, that's, yep. Yep. That that's is also my dad. My dad. Yeah. That's my dad. Just <laughs> that personal touch, yeah. you know? So yeah. oh, that's funny. the other thing I remember most about opening. <laughs> that's pretty cool for him too, to yeah. have that apart in that too yep um but within like two weeks you guys were outgrowing your space pretty much i mean we and we didn't have the cash to expand okay because we don't have cash we sure don't, yeah we don't have capital so it's just cash flowing its own yep okay so uh you know we either dipped back in our own pockets and did capital calls internally or cash flowed at all and then Pretty much as soon as we had money for tanks, we bought new tanks or we bought a canny line or any of that stuff. And, um, and is this mainly like you're servicing inside your tap room? Yep. We wanted to do distro from the beginning mm-hmm. um, and we wanted to balance those two. You know, we, we know that there's, um, we knew there was great partner bars and restaurants in Fargo and we felt that that would be, it'd be instrumental to the local beer scene that local beer be represented at those places. Um, it's always it's always cool if you can sell everything at your tap room or be a tap room only model, but that's pretty self-serving and doesn't build the community. Right. So we wanted to make Fargo the beer scene and you know build that community as much as we could. So we, within I think two months of opening, um, we're trying to gear up for distribution. Okay. And I think also, to recognize it's not like competition. If I'm selling my beer at this restaurant, it's not like competition now. People aren't going to come into my tap room. They're eventually going to come in there like, I want to know what this is all about. Yeah, and I think, you know, we offer a different experience. Mm-hmm. We, we offer a connection to the product and it's it's craft and it's, um, you know, it, it's value-added egg. There's a million reasons people want to come to kind of the epicenter of the product. Right. But there's a million other reasons that people want to go to a bar or restaurant. And I think one of the best examples is that you know, we don't have TVs in in our space. We don't. We didn't have TVs downtown, um, and part of that is that we are not a sports bar. We have we love sports bars. We go there all the time, but if people want a sports bar product, they should go to a sports bar yeah, for sure. that because there's 30 TVs and every game on there, and we can't do that. And mm-hmm. we we can't do it well, so we won't do it at all. And that that's a product that customers need. That's an experience that that they need. We want to have our beer be a part of that. We want to support that business in doing that, but um, it's not competition because we're no. two totally different right. vibes. Two different, yeah, different mo- models. Yep. Like you've got pinball machines, and mm-hmm. you've got a whole stack of like board games, and like so again, like kind of going back to what you guys noticed of like these people are actually having conversations. They're not just sitting with their headphones in all by themselves. Mm-hmm. They're 
communicating. Meeting each other. We've got groups that have been coming to us for years and regulars that met each other then become friends. And those are, those are awesome stories. That's, that's what, that's what we do it for. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, talk about rapid growth. Then at what point do you go to the location you're at now, (coughs) which is the coolest building and like the oldest building before it's it's one of the oldest buildings by size for sure you know there's um it's before north dakota was a state um that building was started being built in 1883 and most everything that's before 1891 with the fargo fire um that that's burned down there's some buildings on the south side of downtown on like south main that are still around, but those are those are retail buildings, different style. Right. Yeah. Um, there's not much on the scale of that manufacturing building that we have. You know, I, it'd be <clears throat> us, Plains Art Museum, and like Fargo Brewing okay. are probably a few of the only buildings that were ever, you know, big manufacturing buildings now that have been turned over to another use. And what we love about it is that they're they're all highly public buildings too. Um, so the building that we're in was always a building that we wanted. Um, we we broke into it when we were trying to find a location. We, I think the first time we got in there, we immediately went back out the boarded up door that we pried our way through because we realized we weren't the only ones in there. And um, <laughs> you know, tried again sure. in the daylight. Um, but we knew when we first started too that 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 was two projects. That was a major building restoration and starting a company and brewery and. I go back. We're limited on staff, <laughs> undercapitalized. Yeah. We knew we knew that one was more important than the other, and uh, but, so we kept our eye on that building forever. Okay. Um, and that lined up, um, you know, right around the time that we needed some sort of expansion facility. We either needed a total warehouse, just production area, another tap room, whatever. Uh, we were out of room we had we had filled up downtown and and really couldn't squeeze much more beer out of that place and we and just as important we were busting at the seams for the events that we were trying to do Mm -hmm. down there we were you know we were doing craft festivals or events in the alley or different things like that and um those were cool um but it wasn't it wasn't quite what we wanted to be pulling off and so we needed more space yeah and uh, that's what started us looking for that that building yeah. So then you get that building, get it up to uh, code, uh, yeah. everything. We went through, it was about a two-year project. It was a little under, a little over a year to rest, gut it, restore it, get the bones back to a, a healthy structure, um, and then a little under a year to build the brewery into it. Sure. Um, but that was a that was a totally different project than the first, opening the first brewery. It's different than Brujala because we were kind of like, peeling off layers of age and crust and and like just stuff that was built back in there and we were we slowly started to reveal this building so every step of that project Hmm. was inspiring and cool because um, we were seeing this building come to life when you do new construction it looks like crap the whole time it's dirty (laughs) you can't you know nothing looks like the final product until about the day before you open Sure. And so you kind of always have this feeling in your stomach. You're like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't right. know if this is going to turn out the way we want it to. <laughs> but with that, with that building, it was you know, got the brick cleaned up. We're like, 
hell yeah, this is this looking good. Great. We can yeah. see it. And like got the windows put back in. I'm like, yes, this is this is it. And it was yeah. it worked the whole That's time. Awesome. And that that was um, because we were day jobbing it, running the brewery, and then building that place. And so right. then that became a third job for us. And I think we needed that to to keep us going oh. on that project. But that was that was awesome getting yeah. that open. And then that, I mean, allowed for okay more beer, obviously. Um, Eventually, we yeah. were undercapitalized again sure. and spent everything we could on that building and getting the stuff in there. And so then we grew as fast as we could. We added tanks probably like every other month. We were putting new tanks in that building, okay. growing. Um, and about you know what had happened, what had happened a few years before we got out there was. We had, we kind of had a come to Jesus moment with ourselves, with uh, what we were doing, where we were doing really experimental, fun stuff at the tap room. Uh, not many bars or restaurants really cared about that because um, they wanted something that would sell in volume sure. and they didn't want to have to explain it to customers. And so then our distributor and these bars and restaurants were asking for um, some of like the regular beers that we made. And, you know, they made, like they want, all wanted like Broken Rudder or IPA mm-hmm. and those was Broken were, Rudder like the first one? Yeah. Or not? Yeah. Yep. And, and that was like a home run. Yep. And it's still yeah. around. Yeah. Um, and we love that beer, but it's not a beer that we ever want to make all day, every day, and have sure. be the only face of the company. And uh, it Don't worry. I don't think anyone thinks that's <clears throat> what you're about. No. It's, <laughs> it's a clear great beer. You guys are, yeah. And, um, but we were, we were really passionate about some of this boundary pushing, experimental new stuff that we were putting out there and we knew that it we knew it had to get out into the world we had to get this out and we had to get our name on it because we we knew what we were doing was special Mm -hmm. and so we had a meeting with our distributor we were going into cans and um you know all the pressure from liquor stores and retailers and everyone is like you gotta have under 9.99 it's like four pack or six pack gotta hit these regular flagships these always have to be available and we kind of we looked at this and we had built the model to do it and looked at the all the financials and we just said like it's not us we're not doing that yeah. so what we presented was um you know we're starting with ipas and the cheapest ipa we're going to make is going to cost 16 dollars a four pack it's going to go up to 20 we're going to do these fruited sours those are going to go over 20 we're going to do all these rotating stuff we're going to try and make over 200 different beers a year we're going to drop out 100 new ones a year that's our goal and we're going to just going to burn through all these different styles and so like kind of just do them as a once release and then move on or? We always, you know, we're focused on new releases mm-hmm. and then they kind of go into this queue of comebacks okay. and we bring them back on a rotation. Sure. And we always try and balance between bring back some favorites, keep it some new ones. Yep. But either way you cut it, we're dropping five to 10 beers every week on, okay. on stuff. And uh, that was, you know, we maybe didn't explain ourselves real well. We just kind of said this is what we're doing and we don't give a shit <laughs> we're just doing it yeah we're doing it um i don't think, Come our, along for I don't the think our distributor appreciated that as a launch model they supported us but I, th- I think they definitely were gonna wait to see how this played out it was interesting talking to retailers because um you know we weren't asking for two shoots at a liquor store we were gonna need if they wanted yeah. all of our products they would we would need 20 shoots sure well, and um yeah. nobody gets that right that yeah. space and we just said that's fine we don't care we're gonna make these we'll make exactly as much as sells but this is all we're gonna make mm-hmm. and really what we were trying to do was we knew that the fargo scene 
wasn't there and wasn't that we had to push it. We had to do something and blow it up here in town. And so And what year is this? Like probably 2016. 16, okay. And we we um so we decided to go to go to Minneapolis and see if we get into the publications there, see if we could get a name for ourselves in some of the beer festivals. And um our first crack down there, um, we won like best of show, wow. won People's Choice Awards, and pretty much like couldn't drive home because our phones were just blowing up from liquor stores that wow. were like, when are you guys going to start distributing down here? So that's what we did was we took all those new beers and went down to Minneapolis and we found that low hanging fruit where there's a ton of awesome breweries in Minneapolis. It's a huge scene. You know, you get 3 million people around there and that can support a lot of breweries. Mm -hmm. And those breweries were doing all their special release beers um, only at the brewery, which is okay. great. That's a cool way to do it. Fargo doesn't have the community to necessarily do that on volume. So we kind of said, well, all the specialty beers are being done brewery only. And these liquor stores look pretty normy. It's all the, you know, the known entities at it. Yep. And they're desperate to get this stuff. So we approached a few liquor stores about like, all we do is specialty beers, all one-off, everything's a release. Do you want part of that? And uh, when we were doing that, pretty much no other brewery was releasing yeah. that volume of SKUs or doing their specialty stuff in liquor stores. And so we became, every liquor store is down there, just best friend. Yeah. We were killing it. There's Bet. lines at liquor stores. People knew, know our schedule when we drop off. So that really started building the fan base yeah. and got us some regional and national attention. And then we just started looking for other markets to do the same thing. Any market where there was that low hanging mm. fruit where we could come in and we, where we were doing something, you know, seriously different from right. the other breweries or where if, a, if the, we like one of our first markets was like Richmond, Virginia, mm. Virginia and wow. DC. We noticed that with Richmond, because there's a few awesome breweries there, but everything they did was brewery only. So the lick, the community loved these beers. Everyone knew what big fruited sours, hazy double IPAs, the sticky big imperial stouts. Everyone knew those beers, but no one could get it because it hmm. was selling out at the only there at, at those things. So then we would go there and and only on tap then, on tap, or they would do the the releases just at the brewery. Okay. Oh, sure. So we we rolled in and did every two week drops on liquor stores wow. and. It, it worked. So we found kind of our, our blue ocean, not a red ocean with that. Yeah. That's what, that's what got us to the point where we had, where we had markets, we had fans, we had people that were starting to get into what we were doing and then come the new brewery where we just opened the faucet up then and tried to find every cool market that we ever wanted to be in, make sure we could still do the right stuff and the beer would get sure. treated well. But, um, that pretty much brought us to 2019 where we had built this very strange, unique distribution model where we were trying to drop very little amounts of beer on New York City, Washington, D.C., Chicago, these all these major oh, metro areas without any sales force, just by basically Instagram, and then having it sell out immediately, having people know that you got to get it right away, and then keeping that scarcity and demand right. going, and then connecting with connecting with our audience out there through social media, continuing that voice with them and, and building it organically. <clears throat> so we were right there turning on markets. We had done some big expansions that made us a lot more efficient and we could put out beer or we could make the beers that we were trying, that we wanted to make and still do them on the same scale. And then the pandemic hit 
And um, that was a, I mean, that was scary when we saw what was happening, but we pretty quickly realized that like, this is all going to go through liquor stores then. Sure. And that's, that is the model that we've just made. Right. So yeah. go. And we just, we, I mean, we've always said that we've never built a brake pedal into our car. <laughs> it's, oh, we just added gas. a third gas pedal yeah. and just go. And so we dumped it, dumped all. it all on our, our whole team just, you know, went absolutely bonkers on getting stuff done. And we, um, so did you see the demand just yeah. go way up? Yep. And then how about locally then too? Yep. Um, you know, as, as we've, as we've built national, um, you know, national fans, bigger markets that almost slowly trickles back to Fargo. Yeah. Um, and then we, you know, that, that raises the tide here in town and they kind of go together then. So that's kind of how we got to where we are now um, and built on that distribution model and how we sure. do things. And it was scary and terrifying, but it worked for us. Right. Yeah. It was neat that you were actually prepared for that, not figuring it out mm -hmm. of like, now what, now what do we do? We got to close and. Yep. Cause we were looking for the next couple markets that would make sense. We, we, don't like approaching people and trying to pitch them on us. We would rather have them come to us. Sure. Yeah. Um, I like the story I always tell is like when we were starting out and beginning with Minneapolis, um, I didn't want to sell, I didn't want to cold call a liquor store or drop off and do samples. It's not often well received. There's a little bit of a power gap there. I wanted the liquor stores to hear about us mm. and then want, they, you know, they want to deliver a cool product to their customers. They want, to get that so we needed them to need us right yeah so i have a 952 number and i just used to call liquor stores and sure. say did you guys get this delivery of tracker or whatever and like oh okay I, I got other places that'll get it. i i gotta get this and um it'd be that's it'd be, clever it'd be, it'd be, yeah it'd be hours at most and i'd have emails in my inbox about nice we gotta get this beer in here we can do that that's great yeah so uh tips of the trade you yeah, know <laughs> the, the real secrets of yeah how, the real secrets done. yeah that's good but um so um you guys yeah obviously survive that and growth expands and i'm sure you at the same time you've always had this greater vision um, which you have a huge space right now mm -hmm. and now there's even a larger space yeah but it's allowing many other things to come into play too. So I guess we, we should still talk about your current space. You have like programs like the Unpillage program yep. or yep. project. Yeah, where we, we bring in, um, you know, charity be, charities that we kind of have aligned values with that we think are doing a great service to the community um, or we think need some exposure or that they could benefit from that. And we, um, we pick one charity for every month and uh, we let them choose if they want however many happy hours they want to do what fits their their needs is they can set up a booth they can we'll do an event with them whatever gets them the exposure you know if they're looking for donations or for volunteers or they're trying to um, offer their services and get it you know get that out there we give them the stage um, and then you know we mm -hmm. donate a portion of all the beer that month or and during those happy hours to them and then like our tours yeah. um, we legally can't give away any more free beer on the tour, so we have to charge for it 
if we're going to give it away and we just charge and then it's all oh, a donation oh, cool. to, yeah. um, to that, that charity that month. And so it's, it's great for them. And, you know, we live and die by the community. Um, we're, we're here because we're trying to add and create and, and, you know, give back to the community that supports us. And so, um, we, we just, we're just happy to work with a lot of these organizations that are doing awesome work and keeping Fargo an awesome place yeah. to live. And I mean, you guys have some of the coolest, the coolest events that I've been to have been there. I feel like we've got an awesome team yeah. that, um, you know, it's almost like our, we don't really think of ideas. We think of challenges mm. about like, like, would it, could we ever figure out how to pull this off? And you know, <laughs> what's the it, most crazy yeah, thing, you know, <laughs> This would be really weird, but can think we can figure this out. And uh, that's, there's almost a, you could see like that twinkle in everyone's eye about like, they know that this is nearly impossible. This is really hard work. This goes against every like operation standard that we right. have. We'd have to, you know, redo all the work. Um, but that, that part almost it? excites them that like, no, this is something different. This is what we should be doing. Sure. And so, yeah, we pretty quickly, um, ran out of space in our huge space for some of those events that we want to do. A lot of them spill outdoors. Right. Which we love. It's great to do that, but this is Fargo and we we maybe have four months yeah. that are we have maybe four <laughs> months where you can do that. It's still risky to do anything outdoors up right. here. Um so we wanted a bigger indoor space where we could pull off events, um, you know, mitigate some of the risk with it so we okay. can really commit to blowing the events up to the level that we think they should be. Sure. Um, so we built a, that's where we built Bruhalla. Bruhalla, One of the components that went into that was having an event center and the space to connect and kind of build that whole compound to do that. So event center, hotel. Hotel and then market. And market, right. So lots of different restaurants or not just restaurants, shops, I guess. Restaurants, food concepts, retail shops, uh, makers, different things like that. Um, it's kind of our idea of the best ideas and the best people in Fargo and mm-hmm. um, really all together a truly unique Fargo experience all under one roof. Yeah. They're people that we were already working with or we had a lot of respect for and um, it's a big community neighborhood of like-minded people that are all on the same wavelength as us mm-hmm. and we're going towards that same goal. Yeah, and like pretty much all the people that I've seen so far being part of it, I'm like, these are like my favorite yeah. people. Yeah, yep. this is great. So I'm so excited for that. Um, so challenges um, with that. Um, you're also, I suppose your staff has grown from, there's more than four of you now? There's more than four of us. <laughs> yep. um, yeah, and I think that's that's been the actual secret to, to any success or anything we've done right. Um, has been the team that we have with us. Um, when being able to find that team, that's the, that, and that you know that's the the hard part. Um, we had we were really patient with that. Um, where the four of us that started the company, you know, are not afraid of hard work or long hours. So we we went as long we would go until we could find the right person. And I remember almost every employee that we have there's been a conversation where like, how did we do this before they got here? <laughs> sure. And, and the coolest part is when, when it's, when it's things like that and, and parts that we were doing before, when we hire or somebody agrees to come on to our team and, you know, is in and bought in and adds to the culture and then is doing the job that we did or had to do or 
you know, kind of apologized for doing. Cause it was like, <laughs> I know I'm doing terrible at this, but I'm, someone has to do it. I'm yeah. No, there's no one else when they're doing it and killing it and doing a way better job than we ever could have. That's the most rewarding thing to hand that off to somebody and then watch them be successful in that and, you know, build the culture, add to what we're doing and see that dream come true. Like that's, we love that. And that, that we've had that conversation, like I said, about uh, literally every single person that works there. That's awesome. And it's a great, um, it's a great group of people that support each other, do what's right for the company, do what's right for themselves, mm-hmm. um, and, and do what's right for the group. Yeah. And, um, it's, uh, it's rewarding to work with them and grow that team and see other people come into it. And, um, that's my favorite part about working there myself. Sure. So we've grown our team quite a bit. Um, we've got a ton of amazing, talented people and, that was a big part of Bruhalla, but um, a lot of Bruhalla is the other individual businesses that are there. So, you know, we don't staff right. their shops, that's their yep. business. So it didn't put that much load on us um, from an operations. The brewery's already scaled for beer production, but we, we were able to, to build out, um, you know, in our, um, in our content creation and art direction department, you know, we've, now we've got um, full-time person in that our event side and the planning side is um, you know a killer team putting that stuff together so it let us take some things that were part of some person's job or mm. a group of people were doing and now there's dedicated people for all those aspects and um, we kind of feel like because of Bruhalla we're, we're finally coming into like who we actually are and sure have the right group and balance that we we always wanted. Yeah. I'm sure that's really cool to like look back on too. And like mm-hmm. from that first time sitting on the step wanting to throw up or cry, should, you know, now too, yeah. which I'm sure you still get some of those, I don't know what he, butterflies or something of like, Oh wow, this is, this is happening. Yeah. But like I said, yeah. we don't care anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we do, it affects us. You feel right. that stress, but, but you know why you're doing it. You know why we're doing yep. it. And it's worked out before. Mm-hmm. And when it hasn't worked, we, we look. We could look back and say, like, we know why this didn't work, and there's always a post mortem on it, and we could see that, like, yeah, it's because we didn't stick to it or we didn't right. do that. And so now we know that mm-hmm. as long as we're going all in, this is going to end however it's supposed to. Sure. Yeah. So, do you get to create any of the beers? Because you said you were doing some of that in your lab class. Yeah. So, I still um, take a lot of. Um, satisfaction and spend a lot of time on the recipe creation for a lot of them. So between, um, myself and, um, our, our head brewer, Tom Knowlton, who now is an owner. Um, he, he bought in a few years ago. Um, Tom's got one of the most creative, um, (laughs) senses for things. He's got an unbelievable palate. He's also a giant of a human being and can just (laughs) like, lift boulders and <laughs> Tom can just do things. Beer barrels. It's, it's like he has yeah. superhuman powers. Sure. And so Tom has this ability to just get unbelievable amounts of work done and do things that seem impossible. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to do with the beers we do is, is do a process, create a, create a flavor experience that otherwise hasn't been done or there isn't a piece of equipment for it. We have to think this whole thing up. So Tom and I spent a lot of time together coming up with all the new recipes um, dreaming up the ideas and then figuring out a way to execute them. Okay. And so, um, I can't take, um, I can't take whole credit of anything. Um, 
and really all, I'd like to say that a lot of this now is, is Tom and inspiration from the rest of the team. I think my job now on it is um, just trying to be like that, um, that supportive voice in the background of like sure. pushing everything forward. Like, board, yes, yeah. go, mm-hmm. keep, go with the idea, push, and then making sure everyone has what they need to, to do it. To do it, sure. Um, but I still stay involved with it from, because I like it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's a key part of our company is that that's where we need to be innovating. So I want to stay on that page, but sure. I don't touch any beer. I don't touch any tanks. I don't do any of the work. Okay. And yeah. if you ask them, I only make the messes. <laughs> so... So if someone spilled, yes, you did. Yeah. No. <laughs> Come down there. Or I'm the one that makes them do something really, really stupid and difficult. And they're going to have to figure out over the course of cold months how to make that <laughs> Thanks, a livable Mark. process. Yeah. So, um, so those are all your ideas, those ones. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You'll take credit for those. Well, they no. give, they're happy to give me the credit or blame <laughs> for upending all that stuff. Sure. Yeah, that's all I get to do with that now. How about like the names of them? Who comes up with that? Yeah, um, you know, that's, we have, uh, you know, Slack is a very active thing in our company and there's a thread for beer name ideas. There's a thread for beer ideas. Those are always spinning. Um, but that's another part of the creative process where we um, we have to sit down and um, spend intentional time, even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, Coming up with a, whether it's an artwork concept, a story, a fun name, or the, the beer idea that, you know, lends itself to a name, we'll take inspiration from any point or follow it in any direction. Um, but yeah, we, that's a, a big chunk of what I do too. Sure. At the brewery. Do you have a favorite beer? Period. Yeah. Or, or of yours or? Yeah. Ectogasm, I think will always be one of okay. my favorites. Um, to me, it's, um. It'll never be perfect, but it's our, it's our dream of an IPA. Um, it's what we wanted um, a hazy IPA to be before that was really a term. Um, and there's something special about that beer to us. Um, I, I remember the first time we brewed Ectogasm, um, that was at that time the most expensive beer we'd ever brewed, and it didn't it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. And, uh, I had to decide to, to dump it. And that was like, going to throw up on my shoes sure. because we spent more money than we'd ever spent on a recipe. We don't have money. Um, and I had, there was also a thing where I, I recognized to how important that beer was going to be that that, when that beer came out, it, it had to be it had to be our IPA. We knew what it could be. We knew what our other. We, we knew where we were going with it, and this wasn't perfect. And it took me probably like nine months to get the courage or just talk myself <laughs> into like getting back on and doing okay. that beer. Sure. I think we dumped it in February, and I think that beer released again in like September, and um, that recipe essentially has not changed since it released and. So you made the, the tweaks necessary. We did the of, we did the yeah. stuff that we it was tough and hard and cost us even more money and time and and kind of sweat over it and uh, eventually got the beer that we're I mean I'm I'm really proud of and I think that's why I like it so yeah. much. So when you do like a test batch, like how big is it? We don't do test okay. batches. Okay, um, it's like we 
you know, for no other reason than just challenging ourselves, have said that test batches are um, not something that we feel are beneficial. Hmm. Uh, we think that they're kind of like training wheels and they just make you more dependent on the training wheel sure. than, than learning how to do it. And so the way we usually do R&D stuff on beers is that we, we, will test, we will test a process or a new ingredient um, or a technique in another beer okay. uh, in a point that we can control sure. and through a, through a way that we can assess. And then if it works, um, it, it's usually not perceptible to, to like the customer. It's, it's maybe even just a small part of that beer, um, but it, it tests the process for us. It, it, it's proof of validation that we can do it. Mm -hmm. And then we take, we might do that another component in another beer, small scale inside that recipe. And then once we know enough about that or how it performs on, on the full scale system, then we spin that into the recipe that okay. we actually want that showcase to be. Wow. And even even when that becomes the recipe that we want it to be, that will probably have a small test that we're doing for another beer that won't come out for six months. And okay. everything we do kind of has... Builds it's, on. It's some work that, that we've been working on to get done, to, to build up to, and that we really want to get out into the world. But then there's always this small seed of another idea that we're trying to cultivate and see and and build that up and get that out into another idea, but they're always tested on full scale. Okay, wow. And what is full scale? How many barrels is that? Uh, so our brew house is a is a 15 barrel brew house. Okay. Um, but for the most part, our 15 barrel brew house, we pretty much only produce either 60 or 100 barrel batches. Okay. So that brew house just turns Heaps. out multiples yeah. of everything. Seems like that place is running a lot. Mm-hmm. And like I was there this morning for Starter Brew, and uh, yeah, I'm like, there are guys coming in and out that door, uh, yep. forklifts coming all over and doing it's things. Really yeah. chocolate factory. <laughs> yeah, and really because mm -hmm. of all those flavors, I yep. mean, it is. It's all the different kinds of flavors. Yeah. So, anything that's really surprised you about running a business? Because you are the president. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all surprising. Um, <laughs> Each day. Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think employees are really surprising to me, or were. Um, I, you know, w whether it's uh, part of my upbringing or uh, in my previous careers, uh, I really only thought of myself as an as a individual person. And, um, you know, my sole contribution to things. And, you know, you get into that... Um, when you start to think about opening a business, you get into that e-myth idea where you know, you're starting it because you're the good practitioner of that or you know, I liked making beer. You don't get into it because you're a good manager or sure. you, know, um, you're, you have great HR ideas. <laughs> and so when we got to be a, the size of a company, um, that was a big challenge for me to not be an entrepreneur anymore but to be, um, to be what the employees needed me mm -hmm. to be, to share communication. I'm not a good communicator. I, um, if I had it my way, I would never tell anyone anything. I would just do stuff. Sure. Um, and not delegate either then? I am terrible at delegating. I sure. think I've gotten a lot better, but I started at very low levels of aptitude on that. Sure. <laughs> 
Because um, I yeah. always had the mentality of just do, it. I, do it. If I want it done right, I'm going to do it myself. Um, and I mean, obviously, like when it was the four of us, one of the partners, we, we all kind of shared that and did mm-hmm. that together. Um, but I think the being an executive or being the leader of the company was something that was very surprising to me. It wasn't, um, I can't just say we're going to do something. Um, you know, if I, if the employees are going to do it and they're going to spend their time and put their labor into it, um, they, they want to know why we're doing something and they, and they should. Um, they expect, um, a lot from us, um, because we expect a lot from them. And, uh, I have grown to really love that side of the business and to, to, to continuously work on that for myself to be a better leader, make sure we're taking care of our employees um, and, and doing right by them and then getting them what they need. And overall, being the company that we want to work at um, and being the best company that we can for our employees. Mm-hmm. And in the inception period, I never really thought of that being a a big component because I mean, I honestly didn't even really think about employees. Sure. Yeah. We only thought about (laughs) we're here, we're doing the work. It's the product. We do that. And then as the team started building out, that was, it was very noticeable that like we needed, we need to bifurcate ourselves and you know, I need to have another part of me that deals with this stuff. Sure. That was probably the most surprising thing. Yeah. Well, and it really does come from the top down. So that example that you're setting trickles downward too, you know, I think. Well, I mean, if if it's not at the top, then you're just toxic at your core. Mm -hmm. Um, It has to go. I mean, it's it's in, out, sideways, left, right, up, down, always. That person at the top has to live by the values and take care of the employees. But the employees also have to, um, you know, be in for the work and be behind the cause. Otherwise, they're not committed. And so everyone has to be in, and everyone has to hold each other accountable, and 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 everyone has to uh, be treated fairly. And, and if you have that culture and you can do that, then it works. Right. If you don't, um, there's a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. And okay. I don't think we ever said how many are there on staff now. Do you know? Uh, we're over 50 now. Over 50. With, okay. Um, yeah. with, with Bruhalla, we've been hiring for, you know, lots of different, different jobs. Things and, there, yeah. Yep. So that's, um, yeah, that's fun. You know, we, um, we take a lot of pride in, uh, what our employees accomplish and we, um, we do everything possible we can to either make sure that this is a career that's rewarding, um, you know, lucrative and, and gives back to them. And it's a space that they're proud to be mm-hmm. with each other. Yeah. You mentioned that about like, where would we want to work, mm-hmm. you know? So keeping that mentality as you continue to yeah. grow, um, what, what are you most excited for in like this new, uh, the Brujala opening? Or is there something even further on the horizons? You're like, oh, I'm excited about the next thing already. No, <laughs> well, there are. Yeah, <laughs> but we're not talking about. That no, that's yet. fine. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, I I think to me, and I'll make this as confusing as possible. <laughs> um, you know, we really um, we do not set goals. We do not set endpoints. Um, we don't we don't choose to accomplish a, an individual thing. It's it's always about right, be who we are, do what we're supposed to do, and we'll find ourselves where we're supposed to be. I'm just always excited about that if if I can keep us on the track that does that and the and the team keeps doing all the crazy and fun stuff that they do, 
I just can't wait to see where it is that we go. Sure. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if we um, spin off and become a tiny little cocktail bar and we just, <laughs> I don't care what it is. Sure. It's, um, it's going to be fun. Serving pina coladas in yep. February in yep. Fargo. No. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. I think that's cool. I, yeah. You know, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing to us is that we, we always know we're going to find ourselves doing something fun, pushing the boundaries, challenging ourselves and making a space that, inspires or just creates a sense of wonderment for the community. And um, that's what we're doing at the brewery with our, our beers and events and, and community outreach. That's Brujala takes that to another level. Um, I don't know if it's up or sideways or wherever we're going next, but it's going to be cool. Yeah. Just come along for the journey. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would be one piece of advice you'd give to someone else who's looking to follow a, whether it's, a dream, a passion, just start something new. Don't do it. I think that the um, that's the advice that I wish I would have gotten or understood at any of this. People told us that it was going to be hard, and that didn't scare us sufficiently. We thought, I, I, I work hard. I can do hard. That's mm-hmm. uh, like, I think what people didn't tell us is it's going to like scare the ever-living shit out of us, and that it's going to make us want to puke, and we're going to stare at numbers and you're going to have problems that you cannot solve that are going to hurt really bad. And you're, you're, there's no good answer. And I, you know, we, we had our first instances with that. I, that was kind of where we were like looking for the adult in the room and be sure. like, who was supposed to tell us that this could <laughs> no go this me. bad. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh. no one told us that. And so my advice to anyone is don't do it. Um, don't do it um, because uh, the only way to do anything that's a dream or something that you really believe is, is that that has to be something that is burning inside of you and that there's no way for you to live if it dies inside of you. And the only way that you can live with yourself is that if you get that out into the world and bring it to life and make it a thing, if that's the only way you can survive, you're not going to listen to me. You're going to do it anyway. And if that's not how your idea goes and that's not what you believe in, then please listen to me and don't do it. Mm. Um, I think yeah. that if you really want to put yourself out there and take the risk, um, the reward is worth it, um, but it is going to hurt. It's going to scare you. It's going to challenge you in ways that you never thought possible. And if you're not in it for that, um, don't do it. I like that. I think that um, what you said in the beginning of like we had to put all our chips in, and so now anything that you can't be all in on and know that you have to do this 100% or you're not doing it. So I think that's great advice. We, we look at, I think the way we make decisions and always have in the brewery is, um, is this something that we're willing to go out of business for? Okay. And um, if, if we're proud of ourselves for going out of business on that, that no, like that we... If we have to make a community stance on some social issue and that backfires and we lose support, we don't care because we we had to do it. Sure. And if we're going to go out of business for supporting a certain cause that we believe in, I don't care. That's, that's a worthy cause to go sure. down for. If we're trying to create some new crazy thing or build a giant hotel event <laughs> center thing and this is a dream that we've always had and we go out of business for that, we don't care. That was something you had that to was do. it. We we believed in it. We pushed our chips in, 
and um, we we always things we think of things really in that morbid um, terminal aspect, and I think that's what keeps us grounded to like that you know everything. It really can be almost that binary that sure. you'll either make it or you won't. If you make it, there's a lot of chance in that, and that will be great, and everyone can think of how awesome that'll be. But if you don't make it, what's that going to look? You know, what's that look like Monday morning when you're going back to the day job? Can you hold your head high? Will you still be able to live with yourself? Can you answer to your kids when you lost their college fund? Um, those, I, that's yeah. the thing that I think we've figured out over the time is that you have to be able to to live with that part. And sure. if you can live with those decisions and do that, then then go. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, why didn't anyone tell you guys that, huh? No, <laughs> we wouldn't have listened. To yeah. Him. <laughs> what were you saying earlier? Something about the third grader or something? Yeah, you told yeah. that third grader, Mark. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> no, I think uh, if honestly, I, I think yeah. we'd have to protect ourselves from going back sure. and talking to our third grade. Yeah, self don't because we don't tell yourself that. Yeah, we'd scare ourselves. We'd we'd probably freak ourselves out, and which rightfully so. Yeah. it is a scary thing, and but also. You know, you could fail or you could fly. And I mean, it's pretty cool what you guys have built. There's no, there's no better place to be than when, um, when you've got a great group of people and you're, you're all doing something you truly believe in and it's a group effort that you can share in the success and you've got a great community around you that supports it and challenges you, you know, gives you new ideas and, and to see that space shared with each other, um, that's, that's it. That's, yeah. I, I can't think of anything more rewarding than that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing the story or a little bit of it. You know, there, there's a whole lot in between, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, thanks for all you're doing in our community. It's so inspiring and you're creating great places for community. So well, thank you. It's what we love to do. And this is a, this is a community, like I said, that, that gives back to us, that, that we live in. We want it to be great. There's so many other people that inspire inspire us every day or that we look up to um, as well. And um, we're just happy to be a part of what makes Fargo great. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Wow. What a great episode. Thank you so much for joining me. It's always so inspiring sharing these stories. Remember to like and subscribe. I would love if you could leave me a five-star review. This helps us reach and engage with more people. Join me next week. And until then, make the most of your new day.